despite fiscal year 2024 appropriations bills grind forward through both chambers of Congress. A Senate committee looks to mark up PBM accountability legislation. And the Medicare Physician Fee Schedule final rule has been released. For the week of November 6th, 2023, from Capitol Hill in Washington, D.C., this is Health on the Hill, brought to you by Heart Health Strategies. I'm Matt Duckworth. Kicking off this week's episode with news from the administration, where the Centers for Medicare and Medicaid Services released the calendar year 2024 physician fee schedule final rule on November 2nd. According to CMS, the finalized calendar year 2024 physician fee schedule conversion factor is $32.74, a decrease of $1.15, or 3.37% relative to calendar year 2023. Also of note, CMS finalized maintaining a Merit-Based Incentive Payment System, or MIPS, performance threshold of 75 points for 2024, rather than increasing it to 82 points as proposed, which would have made it more challenging for physicians to avoid a penalty in 2026. Let me explain a few of these things and then we'll take some questions. So on appropriations, uh, we want Americans' voices to be heard in Washington. That's what the Republicans here in the House are dedicated to. And that's why we're restoring regular order. Uh, we're finishing our appropriations process, and we're doing this in a way that is very transparent. Uh, we have accountability to be assured here. We have participation from all members of Congress, and we're moving quickly. Moving to news from Capitol Hill today, where, while both the House and Senate are making progress on their respective fiscal year 2024 spending bills, Appropriators have yet to open any bicameral discussions to reconcile the two chambers' very different approaches to government funding. Congress currently faces a November 17th deadline to avoid a government shutdown. The House of Representatives has passed seven of the 12 annual appropriations measures, including military construction, veterans affairs, defense, homeland security, state foreign operations, energy and water, legislative branch, and interior environment while the Senate passed the chamber's first minibus package containing appropriations for Agriculture, Food and Drug Administration, Military Construction VA, and Transportation, Housing and Urban Development in a bipartisan 82-15 vote last week. The two chambers' approaches to fiscal year 2024 government funding vary significantly, however, with the House bills containing steeper spending cuts and contentious policy riders. During his first meeting with Senate Republicans since being elected House Speaker, Mike Johnson argued in support of another continuing resolution, extending government funding through approximately January 15th. House Majority Leader Steve Scalise has said that any stopgap spending bill will contain both spending cuts and policy changes. Congress faces an effective April 30th deadline to pass fiscal year 2024 appropriations, given that the most recent debt ceiling agreement included a provision to subject all discretionary spending to a 1% cut should a continuing resolution still be in place past that date. The House also passed a $14.3 billion Israel aid package last week in a 226 to 196 vote. Most Democrats oppose the measure, which includes cuts to the Internal Revenue Service, and the White House has already threatened to veto the bill. 
Senate Majority Leader Chuck Schumer has pledged that the Senate will consider a broader package, including emergency spending for Israel, Gaza, and Ukraine. Speaker Johnson stated that the House will vote on aid to Ukraine as soon as this week, as part of a package that also contains border enforcement measures. Senators Bernie Sanders, an independent from Vermont who caucuses with Senate Democrats, Maisie Hirono, a Democrat from Hawaii, Ed Markey, a Democrat from Massachusetts, Jeff Merkley, a Democrat from Oregon, Elizabeth Warren, a Democrat from Massachusetts, and Peter Welsh, a Democrat from Vermont, sent a letter to Senate leadership last week calling for any emergency supplemental appropriations bill for Ukraine, Israel, and Gaza to contain equal funding for, quote, major crises, unquote, domestically, including the state of the U.S. primary health care system and opioid crisis. The White House has requested $106 billion in emergency aid for Ukraine, Israel, and Gaza. Republican appropriators in the House of Representatives released a revised version of their fiscal year 2024 Labor, Health, and Human Services education legislation last week. Similar to other spending bills being advanced by the House, the revised HHS appropriations measure includes a number of contentious policy riders, including a provision to prevent any funding from going toward postgraduate physician training programs that mandate abortion training or penalize students who opt out of such training. The bill also includes language to block the declaration of a public health emergency related to gun violence, along with a measure to prevent funding to implement President Joe Biden's executive order on preventing and combating discrimination on the basis of gender identity or sexual orientation. Speaker Johnson plans to bypass a full committee markup and instead bring the bill to the floor for a vote the week of November 13th. The only way, the only way to get things done in divided government is bipartisanship. I hope the Senate's success today shows Speaker Johnson and House Republicans that bipartisanship is the way to go. The American people won't support futile exercise of passing partisan extremist legislation that has no chance of becoming law, which is what the House is doing right now. Their appropriations bills, A, are loaded with poison pills that they know are not going to be accepted on this, in this chamber or by Democrats in their chamber, and they make cuts. In the I turn it over to Senator Crapo. I want to illustrate just one example of PBM practices that's resulting in high prices. In a competitive market, if two products have equal quality, a business should prefer the lower cost option. However, oftentimes PBMs charge administrative fees to drug makers, which are calculated as a percentage of a drug list price. That means PBMs get a higher payment if they favor higher cost drugs. More from the upper chamber today, where Senate Finance Committee leadership released a bipartisan discussion draft of legislation containing measures related to the pharmacy benefit manager, or PBM industry, as well as provisions aimed at increasing access to mental health care. The package would expand eligibility for workforce shortage incentive programs for mental health and substance use disorder clinicians, support the use of licensed clinical social workers in the Medicare program, and require Medicare Advantage plans to have up-to-date and accurate provider directories. Additionally, the draft would add to the Modernizing and Ensuring PBM Accountability Act, advanced by the panel in July, 
by mandating that prescription drug plan sponsors with preferred pharmacy networks have a minimum share of in-network pharmacies in underserved areas not tied to a PBM or the sponsor. The bill also directs the U.S. Department of Health and Human Services to collect data on drug acquisition costs and would require plans to include certain discount-eligible drugs in their formularies. The package also mitigates the impending Medicare physician fee schedule cut by extending the relief from last year at the 2.5% level rather than letting it drop to 1.25%. The panel plans to mark up the package on Wednesday. Doctor, how do you envision NIH's role in the public-private partnership to combat antimicrobial resistance? Um, certainly, this is an, a critical issue for uh, drug development, and has and which has been successful in a long time to a certain degree yeah. in being able to head off the continual problem of of uh, antimicrobial uh, resistance. And uh, moving I on today, support. where the Senate plans to vote early this week on the nomination of Monica Bertignoli, who you just heard to serve as the next director of the National Institutes of Health. A vote to end debate on the Senate floor is scheduled for Monday, which could set the stage for a final confirmation vote as early as Tuesday. The Senate Committee on Health, Education, Labor, and Pensions, or HELP, advanced her nomination in a bipartisan vote late last month. More news from the People's House today, where the Chamber's Energy and Commerce Committee Ranking Member Frank Pallone, a Democrat from New Jersey, and Ways and Means Committee Ranking Member Richard Neal, a Democrat from Massachusetts, are urging the Centers for Medicare and Medicaid Services, or CMS, to increase oversight of broker participation and compensation in the Medicare Advantage market. The lawmakers raise concerns that misaligned incentives have led to broker and marketing practices that may push seniors away from the insurance plans best suited for their needs. They request that CMS move to require Medicare Advantage plans to report total broker compensation amounts, inclusive of any bonus or incentive payments. They also ask the agency to change the total amount brokers can receive in compensation per enrollee. More news today where Republican leadership of the House Energy and Commerce Committee, House Ways and Means Committee, and Senate Finance Committee have sent a letter to the U.S. Department of Health and Human Services, arguing that the administration's proposed nursing home staffing requirements will jeopardize access to care, particularly for Americans in rural and underserved areas. The new rule from CMS would increase the on-site registered nurse staffing requirement to 24 hours, and mandate that nursing homes provide 2.45 hours of care per resident day from nurse aides and 0.55 hours per resident day from registered nurses. The lawmakers ask that the agency withdraw the rule and work on tailored solutions, quote, addressing the severe health care workforce shortages, unquote, across the nation. Um, not to make light of it, but my staff made this kind of punish sort of thing, we're under a hack. And it shows this kind of increasing incidence from health and human services of the amount of hacks that are occurring from 35% in 2016 to 22% now in terms of information breaches. And I say that because we see it coming. It's been happening. 
Unfortunately, none of the solutions that we're talking about today are kind of real time. Moving on today, where the Senate Intelligence Committee Chairman Mark Warner, a Democrat from Virginia, and Health, Education, Labor, and Pensions ranking member Bill Cassidy, a Republican from Louisiana who you just heard, announced the creation of a health care cybersecurity working group last week. The lawmakers, joined by Senators John Cornyn, a Republican from Texas, and Maggie Hassan, a Democrat from New Hampshire, plan to examine proposals to address the cybersecurity of the nation's health care system. Senator Warner released a report last year entitled Cybersecurity is Patient Safety, which considered the establishment of minimum cyber hygiene practices for healthcare organizations. More from the House today were Representatives Brad Winstrup, a Republican from Ohio, and Raul Ruiz, a Democrat from California, have sent a letter to the Government Accountability Office requesting a report on G20 member nations' biosafety and biosecurity standards. The Select Subcommittee on the Coronavirus Pandemic Leadership asked for a comprehensive assessment of how the current biosafety and biosecurity standards of the foreign nations compare to those existing in the United States. The letter reads, quote, As we saw during the COVID-19 pandemic, biosafety and biosecurity issues have the potential to affect the international community. It goes on to say, while the United States evaluates its own biosafety and biosecurity standards, precautions taken by other nations remain highly relevant to the select subcommittee's work. Unquote. Chair Winstrup, along with House Oversight and Accountability Chairman James Comer, a Republican from Kentucky, and Energy and Commerce Chair Kathy McMorris-Rogers, a Republican from Washington, also informed the U.S. Department of Health and Human Services of their decision to subpoena Assistant Secretary for Legislation Melanie Igorin, last week. The committee leaders argue that she has spent months evading lawmakers' questions related to the origins of COVID-19. Igorin must now testify at a deposition on November 16th. ...has ever taken on AI safety, security, and trust. This order builds on the critical steps we've already taken to ensuring the AI Bill of Rights to bring together leading AI companies who uh, agreed Winding to down today, when President Joe Biden issued an executive order on artificial intelligence last week. The move charges the National Institute of Standards and Technology with the creation of standards to ensure that AI tools are safe and effective, and will require AI developers to share safety test results and other information with the federal government. Additionally, the order directs the U.S. Department of Health and Human Services to establish a safety program to address harms or unsafe health care practices involving AI. Measures laid out by the order are set to be implemented over the next year. Final news today, where a bipartisan Congressional Women Veteran Task Force submitted a report to the House Committee on Veterans Affairs last week, making recommendations on issues that uniquely affect women veterans. The task force recommends more gender-specific training for practitioners administering VA disability exams. The report also highlights the potential need to develop national or regional gender-specific cancer support programs, and suggests that the VA consider updating their guidelines for screening women who have heterogeneous dense breasts. The meeting will come to order. 
Welcome to the Ways and Means Committee organizing meeting for the 118th Congress. The Committee on Energy and Commerce will come to order. The chair recognizes herself for an opening statement. Um, and it's a pleasure to bring together the first meeting of the Finance Committee in the 118th Congress. Good morning. The Senate Committee on Health, Education, Labor, and Pensions will come to order. All right, we did it. We end each week's episode with the call to order. We lightning round congressional meetings and hearings in the near future that you need to know about. First, on Wednesday, November 8th, the Senate Finance Committee holds a markup of a discussion draft of mental health and PBM reform legislation. The time of this hearing has yet to be determined. Second, on Wednesday, November 8th at 9 a.m., the Senate Appropriations Committee holds a hearing entitled A Review of the President's Supplemental Request for the Departments of Health and Human Services and Homeland Security. Third, on Wednesday, November 8th at 9.30 a.m., the Senate Homeland Security and Governmental Affairs Committee convenes the hearing The Philosophy of AI, Learning from History and Shaping Our Future. Fourth, on Wednesday, November 8th at 2.30 p.m., the Senate Judiciary Subcommittee on Intellectual Property hosts a hearing titled Reforming the Patent Trial and Appeal Board, the Prevail Act, and Proposals to Promote U.S. Innovation Leadership. Fifth, on Wednesday, November 8th at 2.30 p.m., the Senate Health, Education, Labor, and Pensions, or HELP, Subcommittee on Primary Health and Retirement Security gavels in the hearing, Avoiding a Cautionary Tale, Policy Considerations for Artificial Intelligence in Healthcare. Sixth, on Tuesday, November 14th at 2 p.m., the House Veterans Affairs Subcommittee on Health holds a hearing entitled, Emerging Therapies, Breakthroughs in the Battle Against Suicide. And last, on Wednesday, November 15th at 12 p.m., the House Veterans Affairs Subcommittee on Technology Modernization hosts the hearing, Electronic Health Record Modernization Deep Dive, System Uptime. Thanks again for tuning into this week's episode of Health on the Hill, brought to you by Heart Health Strategies. For more information on this week's healthcare happenings in the administration and on Capitol Hill, you can visit our website at hhs.com and click on the Policy Briefings tab at the top of the page. You can subscribe anywhere you get your podcasts, including the Apple Podcasts app, Spotify, and SoundCloud. Did we miss a story you wanted to hear this week? If so, contact us on Twitter at HHS Policy, and we may include it in our next episode. Have a great week, and stay healthy. Stay healthy.